up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in for the 299th time to the 3FN Podcast. Of course, this week, we're jumping in that Wayback Machine and taking you back to the year 1989. That's right, 35 years ago to review Gleaming the Cube. We are coming to you from the A122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First, he is the man after seeing Gleaming the Cube literally audibly out loud in front of a room full of people said what the fuck is gleaming the cube ladies and gentlemen it's ron i thought it was rimming the ring i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) diesel by the way thought it was a whole nother thing (laughs) and speaking of him he is the man that doesn't need an introduction yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting ladies and gentlemen i give to you hashtag big natty cool hashtag mad dog strong style hashtag challenge accepted hashtag diesel malenko because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags he is the leader of the minnows gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster he is the man the myth and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller i'm talking about diesel i am 100 stealing rimming the ring <laughs> rimming the ring uh we could add that to your other thing it was hashtag the lord of edging <laughs> by the way that's one of the 1004 i that one kenem did not come up with i just came up with it on the fly so uh gentlemen 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 how has been your week we're going to start with ron uh week's been all right uh the weekend was a little hectic for me so you know was you know, Northeast got hit with some snow, and I was at work for, tw- you know, 24 hours, <laughs> basically. Think, just think about that paycheck, baby. Yeah, I know. That's why I did it. You know, so I'm a little tired. So I'll get this done, and I'm just going home. Uh, our Wednesday group, you know, is working through Trinity of Dragons, and my barbarian's just doing what stupid barbarians do. Run and slash. We'll figure, nice. it, we'll figure things out afterwards. You know, whenever I have to pick something like in an RPG or an MMO or anything like playing video games, I always pick, like like in Destiny, I was always a Titan. I just like big things and yeah, run through yeah. shit and smash. I don't want to do any of that extra stuff. Why do that when just Hulk smash, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right, Diesel, how has been your week? Oh, it's been a hectic week. Was uh, doing some double duty with the jobs this week, working my full-time job and running the game store last week and a couple nights this week. So, been kind of like stressed out because of that. Um, but weekend was nice. Worked on Saturday and then had that stressful drive home in the middle of the snow. Cause, oof, uh, oof. I believe it. And then Sunday was actually just a quiet day. I started a rewatch. Well, not a rewatch. This is my first time viewing of Survivor Season 40, Winners at War. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, I'm. Like three or four episodes deep on that. I still have to finish this last one. I kind of got sidetracked. Yeah. Diesel is a survivor. Uh, well, you know what? My weekend was going to be hectic like you gentlemen's, <laughs> but uh, I was uh, a peek behind the curtain. I don't know if I talked about it on the show. I know these two gentlemen knew. I was originally supposed to go pick my mom up a dog down in North Carolina, which we live in the upstate New York. It's uh, about a 10-hour drive for where I had to go. So 20 hours round trip. But my mom was uh, snooping on the storm early on and was like, no, we're not going. And I'm glad for that because I really didn't want to be in the car for 20 hours uh although i'm probably gonna have to make that trip in february but you know hey it's, it's, it is what it is uh so I, I got away with that and of course uh, because there was a snowstorm i got all my stuff done saturday morning so i didn't really do anything but lay on my arse at home nice. watch some football watch some movies 
uh, you know, went through some content stuff for uh, Nerd Initiative and for 3FN. And yeah, it was a nice time. It was a good relaxing weekend. I, I, oh, we cleaned up the house and stuff. You know, it's like a deep cleaning because we yep. had to get rid of the Christmas tree and all that stuff. Uh, I refuse to have the Christmas tree up still when my birthday hits. <laughs> so so <laughs> that was a must to get that down. You, you can do what my work does. Our Christmas tree that's in the lobby is also just our holiday tree. Yes, so every month I, it gets decorated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, I have, I've seen another place do that. My wife likes to do stuff like that. So to appease her, we actually have a baby Yoda bank that uh, she dresses up for different holidays. <laughs> so uh, right now it is uh, currently, I think, dressed up for Valentine's Day because that's the next oh, nice. uh, holiday for her. So he's got little heart-shaped things on, red beads and stuff. He's a little <laughs> pimped out. It's good stuff. Uh, so yeah, no. Other than that, just good times, good good times, good vibes, and trying to make it through. So hopefully everybody at home had a great week last week, and I hope you all have a great week this week. Oh, we got a hell of a show for you. Thirty fifth anniversary of Gleaming the Cube this week, going back to nineteen eighty nine. I was a whole whopping six years old, <laughs> feeling old at this point in juncture because my birthday's right around the corner. I'm turning, uh, I, I see. I never lie about my age. I'm turning the forty one. Uh, I'm not having an existential crisis. Uh, that was when I was 30 for some reason. Uh, but uh, I'm still going, man, I'm 41. I'm getting too old for that. I'm starting to hit my Danny Glover years. <laughs> or Donald, you know, Danny Danny Glover is uh, too old for this shit. Yeah. yeah. Are you feeling that now, Diesel? Yeah. Oh, I, am, 40? I am running to the CVS to buy a leave because, like, something happened to my rotator cuff, and it's not <laughs> that I'm physical fit or anything like that. I sleep on it weird, apparently. Yep. And no, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it gets worse. Don't wait. Wait until oh. you're 45. It's worse. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to throw it out to you. None of us know what a rotator cuff is until you get like until <laughs> your late 30s, early 40s. And then you're like, oh, shit, why does this part of my shoulder hurt? And you're like, no, oh, there's this thing that you can just fuck up by moving right. Yep. Yeah, I'm all about like getting overtime and stuff. But after this going 12 hours and then only four hours of sleep because they called me to tell me to make sure I was back at six yeah. at 430 in the morning when I was already only asleep for like two hours. Yep. So I couldn't go back to sleep because I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to miss. And then go back in for another 12 hours. I popped something in my leg. I don't know what it well, I heard it pop as I was getting out of the truck, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Then <laughs> it's going to hurt in the next couple of days. Yep. Dude, my, my left forearm was, was killing me. And no, not for the joke reason. And I, I couldn't figure out why. It was shoveling. Yep. <laughs> like, I wasn't thinking about it because I my, my, my forearm has never hurt shoveling before. And by the way, the snow wasn't that heavy this time. Like, it wasn't a heavy snow. But for whatever reason, I shovel my driveway, which I've never had happen before. And my fucking left forearm is like, fuck you, dude. See, at least then I can understand it. Getting out of bed and feeling like your hip pop out of place. And you're just like, oh, fuck me running. Yep. No, wait, <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, oh, I get, oh, it gets there. Yeah, like, I, I, worse. Sometimes I walk down the stairs in the morning. My <laughs> knee pops every time. And it's just it, more painful every step. You're like, you son of a bitch. But hey, that's what getting old is. So kids, if you're listening to the show, that's what you have to look forward to someday. Uh, <laughs> so that's enough of us being old, grumpy men and in, in, in pain all the time and getting too old for this shit because uh, we got a fun show ahead of us with Gleaming the Cube as the re- uh, 3FN Movie Club review. And of course, before that, Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. But before we can get any of that party started, we got to hit you off with some little bit of business. And that is some opening shameless plugs. So if you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, it is simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There, you can find all of our social media links. You can find the Tee Public link. You can find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and help uh, support everything we do here. While you're there, check out Friends of the Show. There's a whole section of it. Our good friends, the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. That's where they are. Go check them 
them out. I got to add our good friends at the Pine over there, too. We're going to talk about them a little later, uh, but we got to add them there. And of course, Nerd Initiative. Go to nerdinitiative.com, your home of pop culture positivity. And if uh, you like the YouTubes, go ahead, check out every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Turn a page. Ken M. from the ODPH hosts a comic book show every Tuesday night. And on Thursday nights for you, pro wrestling fans, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's Wrestling Night Live, a show hosted by me and co-hosted by Ken M. And we talk all things pro wrestling every Thursday night. Come join the chat, whether it's on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, which is our main hub, but it's also on the Facebook, the X the Twitch, the Kick, and uh, everywhere else we stream. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, on top of that, check out the uh, musical directory where the bands who support the show by letting us use their music so we don't get hit with hit with those dreaded DMCAs are. Of course, big shout-outs to our friends. Shout out the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN Podcast. Check them out and all the other great bands uh, right there on the musical directory and make sure you follow them on YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And last but not least, check out that sponsor section. Those are the people who allow us to bring you these shows absolutely commercial free every week, but we're going to give them a quick shout out this week. First of all, our local sponsor here in the 607, that would be Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. When you want to put the pride back in your ride, Diesel, what do you call? 607-644-3389. Go to W.GG and use the promo code 3FNPOD for 10% off every order. That's right. W.GGWenergy. Of course, our good friend Sci-Fi Horror Fest vendor spaces and tickets are on sale at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And last but not least, our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com. And if you forgot any of what I said, just remember to go to 3FNPodcast.com. It's got your hookup like Big Papa Pump. Oh, man. It's a new year. Same old me. Same old stuff. And, uh, chill, baby, chill. I got to, you know, I got to start slowing it down a little bit, but then I start getting uh, sped up there. So maybe I'm going to work on that. Maybe that's my new year resolution to you know, take my time and get the people the information. But then again, they don't want to hear shameless plugging. No, 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 no. They came here to have some fun. So let's kick the fun off the way we do each and every week, shall we? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. I have a really interesting uh, box office this week. All five movies are within $5 million of each other. Wow, that's pretty nice. close. Coming in at number five, Anyone But You with $9.5 million. And Anyone But Them. Oh, no, it wasn't, wasn't a bad movie. I'm just joking. Coming in at number four with $10 million, Migration. I want to see that still. Yeah, it I, just, just looks fun and cute. I haven't seen it yet. I got to take my wife to that for sure. You got Danny DeVito doing Jersey Mike commercials with Danny DeVito. <laughs> That's great. Number three also looks really cute. Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom with $11 million. Ron went to see Aquaman. It wasn't horrible, but just knowing it's the, the universe is dead, it's just like, okay, why? But seeing Black Manta bust ass again, I'm good with it. Coming in at number two with $12 million debuting Night Swim. Yeah, Ron it, also got to see that. Ron, what's it, your thoughts on Night Swim for the people? It, it's a two at best. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, like at, it wasn't that horrible, but it's the t it's the typical monkey paw story. It's just with a pool, yeah. and they do explain a little bit of it. Um, I won't give it away just in case you want to see it, uh, but they do explain a little bit of why it's there, but they don't give you the full details on it. But you you kind 
I mean, problem is she finds out all this information in like in the course of the movie in like ten minutes, yeah. not even like four and a half, and it's then she goes and talks to the previous owner, like in, uh, like, in, in, in like ten minutes during like almost the end of the movie. Ah, so that, it takes that's a while what, to figure it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like that, but. And the number one spot this week for its fourth week on the list, Wonka with another $14 million. Good for them. Yep. Yeah. Wonka was a great movie. Go back and listen to our review of Wonka if you want to find out what we thought about that. Diesel, what's upcoming in the movie theater, though? All right. We got the, re- re- the, the COVID release of Soul, the animated movie. That's right. Because of the pandemic, they did not get a re- proper release. So now that Disney is properly releasing it. Soul was a good movie, though. I might actually go see that in the theaters. Uh, also coming out this week, we have The Book of Clarence. Yeah, I'm hearing good things about that. I have not seen it. Uh, obviously, we, none of us have seen it yet, but I am going to go see it is yeah. what I meant to say, because it does look a lot of fun. The musical version of Mean Girls debuts this week. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like they changed the story. Yeah. I just feel like from the trailers, it's like, wait a minute. How did you fuck up the story of Mean Girls? Anyways, <laughs> continue on. And also coming out this week, The Beekeeper starring Jason Statham. Which originally we were going to be doing for a 3FN Movie Club review, but then it was going to line up with the 300th episode next week. So we decided to do a big 300th episode extravaganza by reviewing one of our, uh, mine and Ron's favorite bad movies. That would be the Stephen King classic. That's right. The only movie Stephen King ever directed. <laughs> Maximum. Overdrive. So we're going to be talking about that next week in the 3FN Movie Club review for our 300th episode. Diesel, what else? Uh, what do we have coming up after that, though? Coming out next week on January 19th, we have Which Brings Me to You. Which brought me to you as well, Diesel. Founder's Day. Uh, that looks interesting. I don't think it looks great, but it looks uh, interesting. And then the big one, the sci-fi thriller, ISS. Which, by the way, the week uh, after that comes out, it will be the 3FN Movie Club review. By the way, the first new movie of 2024 we'll be reviewing is ISS. It would have been Beekeeper, but uh, like I said, it unfortunately fell on the week <laughs> where the 300th episode, and I don't, I didn't want to gamble the 300th episode. Let's just put it that way. If it would have been like Deadpool 3 coming out, then yeah, we would have gambled it, but not 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 the beekeeper and, and that's nothing against it maybe i'll have a very good hoot and holler when i go see it this weekend but until then uh we're just gonna pretend that it's not existing because maximum overdrives your 300th episode and, and that'll be a lot of fun trust me next week on this program uh diesel now that we've gone through the box office now that we've gone through the upcoming movies coming to the box office it is now time for the signature move that is the three fn top three and what is this week's top three diesel what are your top three most rewatchable movies? Ooh, I like this. I like this a lot. So uh, this is a tough list for me because I could literally name 150 movies off the top of my head right in a row. So it was kind of like, hey, p- just pick three. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, so going by last week where I did talk about the uh, Wizard of Oz being on and stopping to watch in the Christmas season and then it's coming back to the theaters which I will be going to see since I've never seen it on the big screen the Wizard of Oz and this one of the clarifications for this was if it is on television I will stop and watch no matter you know as long as I have time so the Wizard of Oz is my in my number three spot in my number two spot uh, is a movie that myself and Diesel will be uh, watching and reviewing well actually already watched sorry but what we'll be reviewing for Patreon only over on the Patreon exclusive show Rewind which we, we owed from last month because there's some things that came up, obviously, but uh, Scarface, the, the Brian De Palma 1983 classic. 
that movie is amazing. I could watch that over and over again. Uh, that's kind of giving away my score a little bit, but let's be honest. Everybody knows that Scarface is, is bomb-ass movie. And at the number one slot is a movie that is the reason why myself and Diesel are friends is also the reason why myself and uh, George, my good friend George, are friends is because I watched this movie so much that I could openly quote it still to this day, and I actually haven't seen this movie, I think, in probably a decade, but that would be Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That is, uh, me and Diesel were, I, I heard Diesel quoting lines from it before we were, like, when we worked together and we talked, I'm like, you watched that too? So then we would just spend days quoting the entire movie. I think one day we actually went through the entire movie pretty much. Uh, real, real boring shit working yeah. in a factory. It's real soul-crushing shit, just folks, just so you know. But uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is my number one. Uh, go ahead, Ronald. See, that falls for Rody, Josh, and I on the back of a garbage truck. Like, that's how we pretty much talked when we didn't know each other and was, uh, Chance I have Bob Strike back, and I'm like, I, I only saw clerks, I didn't know anything about Raw Rise, blah blah. But uh, uh I got Empire Strikes Back. Oh. I, I had to pick a Star Wars. That's your number three, it's my number three. Empire Strikes Back, I, I put that one on once in a while and just watch, and or if it's on TV, I'd watch it. Boom, boom. Uh, number two, uh, another fan, uh, another Star Wars theme, fanboys. Yeah, oh, fanboys. I, I, so that movie was way under the cuff when it came out fucking one of my favorite i just want to point out a little birdie told me it has an anniversary this year and uh another little birdie being me is telling all of you hint hint nudge nudge the 3fn movie club when the month comes you will be getting a review of fanboys just throwing it out there (laughs) and then uh number one you're you're probably everybody can guess uh van wilder that's my go-to i watch it you know, at least once a year, if not three times a year, with a with a uh, lotion filled bottle and some no, no uh, tissues next to no, it. No lotion needed. Oh, just a little spit. spit and go. Ah, there you <laughs> go. Respect, <laughs> Diesel. Your top three. All right, coming in at number three, we got a twofer. We are going with the American Pie franchise, specifically American Pie and American Pie Two. These are movies I can watch over and over again and never get bored with it i'll make a defense for american wedding being the third movie not the whole movie but the 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 blue heaven dance scene the dance scene is amazing is amazing in that movie you can't say it's not (laughs) cannot say it's not. might be one of the funniest scenes in all the franchise yes to be honest with you that's amazing so continue on sorry number two we were actually going to go with a thriller which might shock you all but the movie seven Yes, great movie, by the nice. way. Um, we can't speak about the one actor in the movie, and we, we don't say anything about that, that person for, for different reasons, and we're going to leave it at that. Uh, but yes, very great movie. I just saw recently uh, people were talking about it again, because I think that the new generation is finally finding out about the head in the box. What's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> and then we got to give one out to Ron here. Same same actor as his number one, but Waiting. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Waiting is one I've probably seen 50 plus times. And every now and then I will still just be like, see the DVD and be like, oh, we're popping that in. Yeah. That is a movie. That I, I, by the way, all the picks that you, everybody had are all movies that I definitely stop and watch. I will say this about waiting. If you work in the food service business and you haven't seen waiting or you don't have that on a rotation, even though I haven't been in the food service business for a while, neither has Ryan, neither has Diesel. But if you've worked in it at all. That movie speaks to you on so many levels. Yes. Mind you, I have, and I'm going to be honest, I have never seen anybody mess with anybody's food. Yeah. I have never messed with anybody's food. Uh, well, except for a friend's food, but that had that's no, a whole no, other no, no, ball. No. That doesn't count. That was a friend of mine. Uh, but it wasn't even disgusting. It was just kind of funny. Ha ha. Uh, well, we would, I used to mess with Ron's food, too. Yeah. What I would do is, if you guys want to know, I would put the <laughs> hottest sauces I could on it. But I understand that Ron, A, doesn't have any medical conditions from eating it. And yeah. B, Ron likes hot shit. Yeah. So, and none of this stuff was actually really that hot. No, I, think he, I, I think the habanero one was the hottest. hotter than the ghost pepper one, which yeah. is sad. But 
you would be like, hey, can you guess which one has the habanero sauce in it? And one, oh, yeah, of, we, and one we, of the items would have habanero sauce. And, in and, it. I, and I used to this is this is even before the podcast. So I used to do the the stupid fucking uh, uh, saw thing because I'd be like, want to play a game? <laughs> one of your one of your tacos or burritos has fucking hot sauce in it. It's, it like has our hottest sauce in it. Can you figure out which one? And will your asshole survive? And then you move on. <laughs> and Rod was just like, this is great. So it wasn't. So yeah. technically that is messing with food, but it's for fun reasons. Yeah. But uh, I've never done that. But waiting speaks to you. Because yes. you know those customers and you know that you're like, man, I wish I fucking could. I wish for one time I could take. Like, like it, what it is, is you. I think the reason why most people don't mess with food in, in, in fast food or, or in you know restaurants is because you're like, it's like the moral barometer. I guess if you don't have any morals, you're like, fuck it, I'll do it. But for everybody else, most of us are like, I wish I could, but I'm not. But I, yeah. I, I'm going to watch the movie where they give the person <laughs> that I want to fuck with exactly what I want to do their shit. But remember, you never mix guacamole with a continental. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, it was like the opposite. It wasn't because I've never worked in the food industry, aside from like working in the back of like a Burger King or something like that briefly. But the the camaraderie of coworkers, and granted, I've never done the show your testicles game with any of my friends, but we did find some weird stuff to pass the time. Oh, like, yeah. Where we used to play baseball in the back of... Uh, shop with, back? Shop back. We'll with, say it. I'll say the name. I don't care. With <laughs> makeshift whatever so we could just pass the time usually yeah. it was a an attachment and and uh one of the uh we'd wrap up plastic uh around one of the empty uh rings for the plastic tape or whatever yeah fun times you know <laughs> hey you do stuff like that and no i can't do goatsy so that's why it's never happened <laughs> it's the goat uh Rody josh pulled the goat Oh, Jesus. He, pull, he pulled I, the goat on well, our one driver at work. Well, you know what? Congratulations, <laughs> he, sir. Because we, uh, we, we showed him the movie, and he's like, geez, that movie's amazing. And I was, set him up in the locker room, and I'm like, oh, Jimmy, you got to come in here. And he came walking right around the corner, and there was the goat. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, good for you, Rody Josh. Good for you. Well, with that being said, thank you. That's the end of Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. But you know the party doesn't end there. It's just getting started, because once we exit Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff, it is on to... Welcome to... Three Offense Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember... Book certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That is right, it is now time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And this week we jumped in the Wayback Machine. And we uh, decided to go back to the year 1989 to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Gleaming the Cube. And of course, uh, if you're new to the 3FN podcast, thank you for giving us a try and uh, listening to our review. Also, if uh, you uh, were going to stick around, check out some of those older reviews and stick around to hear some of the newer reviews. We've got a lot of stuff, great stuff coming out in the year 2024. Uh, and if uh, you just need a reminder, uh, whether you're new or not, this is how the 3FN Movie Club review works when it's older films, because we have two different versions. Uh, so the older films, we don't take a break in between for the spoiler-free and spoiler-full portion, because... Let's be honest, it is a 35-year-old film. Uh, taking a break and setting everything up for that is just kind of, I don't i don't think it's needed. But we still do have a spoiler-free portion where we tell you the stat, or well, Diesel will give you his uh, spoiler-free synopsis coming from his own mind. Then I'll give you the, the stats of the film, followed by who made the film, who starred in the film,
film. And then finally, uh, we will jump on over to the spoiler full review of Gleaming the Cube before playing the game so we can find out the scores from around the internet. And then finally, giving our scores for Gleaming the Cube. So with that being said, gentlemen, are you ready to talk Gleaming the Cube? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Diesel, I believe. Man, I got a story to tell. When his adopted brother is murdered, a young California heartthrob must investigate <laughs> and avenge his brother's death. Well, I think that that was a very, very on the nose. Of course, all while skateboarding. You forgot that part. Skateboarding is important in this movie. Uh, so the release date of this movie, January 13th of 1989. Of course, a couple days before my birthday. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, of course, the runtime would be 105 minutes with a budget of $10 million. And uh, in the box office, the domestic and worldwide are the same. By the way, domestic for this movie was counted as U.S. and Canada because that's the only two countries it was released in. And it made a whole whopping $2.8 million for, uh, yeah, not very favorable return on the investment. All right, now that we know the stats of the film, it is now time to find out who made this scene. And of course, the director of this film was Grammy Clifford. I might have said his name wrong, but that's okay. Uh, first movie uh, Grammy did was Francis in 1982. He would also do a movie called Deception in 1992, but other than that, he did a lot of like TV programs yep. and miniseries and stuff. Uh, most famously, he directed uh, the Last Don movies that were on CBS. That was the Mario Puzo books and part of the okay. Godfather uh, saga, if you will, but they weren't the Godfather movies. Uh, I don't know if you ever caught those. They were on CBS, I do believe, back in the uh, early to mid-90s. Uh, screenplay for this movie was done by Michael Tolkien. Uh, Michael, uh, had, uh, first movie he wrote was Gossip in 1982. He would also write The Player. And then a movie we liked, because uh, it's 187 on a motherfucking beep, uh, <laughs> Deep Cover. And then uh, a movie that uh, we all decided we didn't like when we reviewed it, Deep Impact. <laughs> uh, also, Changing Lanes in Nine. He also did some other movies as well. Director of photography for this movie would be Reed Smoot. Reed Smoot's first movie that he was the DP on, A Matter of Winning in 1973. He also did the movie Legacy. He did a lot of TV stuff. Uh, by the way, though, as a camera operator, worked on Indiana Jones and the uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, nice. nice. Just throwing that one out there. And the composer of this flick is Jay Ferguson. Uh, some of the other movies he composed, Deadly Passion in 1985, Licensed to Drive... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and a movie that we will be reviewing in November of this year, whether it's on the mainstream or whether it's on Patreon. Either way, it's going down. It is locked and loaded. 1994's Double Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that'll be celebrating its 30th anniversary. I don't know if it, celebration is the word, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So now that we know who are the people who uh, made the movie, it is now fine time to find out who our stars were. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? So I'm not doing a, a deep dive on everybody, but I wanted to give some people shout outs in this movie. Of course, the movie star and probably the biggest star in this movie uh, at the time even, because I mean, he had already done some great things before then, would be Christian Slater. And Christian Slater is playing the role of Brian Kelly. And uh, Christian Slater, you know him from True Romance, Very Bad Things, Heathers. Broken Arrow, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's right. You remember from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, don't you? Uh, most most recently, uh, he was in that Freelance movie. Oh, that's right. All right. With uh, with uh, one, uh, was it John Cena, right? I yeah. think John Cena was yeah. it. Juan Cena. 
Uh, next up, playing the role of Al Lucero was Stephen Bauer. Uh, you might not know the name, but you'll remember him. And by the way, Diesel and me definitely remember him because the movie we will be doing for Rewind, Scarface, he plays Manny Ribeira in Scarface. <laughs> Uh, of course, you also remember from Traffic, Primal Fear, Paloma. So uh, he's been on quite a few things, uh, giving him credit. Of course, Manny was second uh, to one uh, Al Pacino's Tony Montana. So in this movie, he's a second to uh, Christian Slater. Hey, you go from one great second man to another, I guess? I don't know. Are, are we putting Christian Slater and Al Pacino on the same wavelength, Diesel? I think you could take a certain sect of Christian Slater's and a certain sect of Al Pacino's later movies and put them on equal pairing. (laughs) (laughs) The next man playing, well, playing not such a nice guy in this movie, Ed Lawndale is the character, and he's being played by Richard Hurd. And uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Richard Hurd is. Uh, For those of us who are, for those of the young cats out there, if you will, uh, you might remember him as from that video from Get Out. Because at oh, the yeah, last yep, video yep, with yep. the reveal, he was the grandfather, and he was in the video for that. So that's where most of the young guys. But for those of us who uh, have been watching movies for a while, the man was in all the President's Men, the Mule, uh, the the China uh, supremacy. He's been in everything, man. He's just been a great actor. Of course, unfortunately, we lost the late great Richard Hurd on May twenty sixth of twenty twenty at the age of eighty seven. Playing Colonel Track was Lei Twen. Lay Twin, uh, you might remember him from such great movies as Steven Seagal's Above the Law. Uh, oh, from that's right. <laughs> I love how you're like, that's right. <laughs> and also Uncommon Valor, which stars the great and legendary Chuck Norris. <laughs> By the way, Diesel, did you know the boogeyman is scared of Chuck Norris? He checks under his bed for Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris, once when the earth stood still, kicked it back into motion. <laughs> I like messing around with that. Uh, so next up on actors, by the way, would be uh, in the role of Tina Trek would be Min Luang. Uh, and she was in Big Trouble in Little China, also Internal Affairs. Uh, not a ton of stuff to her cube. I think she got out of the Hollywood acting uh, after a while. But you know what? Did some pretty good movies in the Bean Chuck. Because Big Trouble in Little China, very good movie. I know we haven't covered it yet. Very good movie. Uh, playing Mr. Kelly is legendary character actor Ed Lauder. Uh, you might remember Ed Lauder from Cujo. Mm-hmm. Not another teen movie where he played the coach. He was in 1976 King Kong. And, of course, he was uh, scared the, uh, sta- the screen sorry, with Val Venus. Val Venus. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive right there. <laughs> you can tell my mind switched to wrestling for some reason real quick. Val Kilmer okay. in Real Genius. Uh, that, that, I got to leave that faux pas because that shit was funny. <laughs> Val Kilmer. Val. Of course, uh, Nicole Mercurio played Mrs. Kelly, who is the, the wife. Uh, she was in While You Were Sleeping. She was in Flashdance, What Lies Beneath, and The Client. So she's been in some pretty big movies as a character actress herself. So that's pretty fucking awesome. And uh, we got to talk about Buddy now. Because Buddy is the legendary Tony motherfucking Hawk, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, you saw him in Triple X and Lords of Dogtown. But let's be honest, you know him from being possibly the greatest skateboarder of all time. Am I wrong, Diesel? Oh, absolutely not. Like, even if you're not in the world of skateboarding, like, you've probably played the Tony Hawk uh, games. Like, that was probably your introduction to punk music. Like, Tony Hawk is like probably one of the most influential athletes to like the white subculture from the nineties and two thousands. He was there when the word extreme 
got made, by the way. Because <laughs> think about it. That was right around the time everybody started doing extreme sports. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Max Perlick for playing Yabo. <laughs> Probably the most bumbling idiot in a in a 1980s movie. You can remember from Cliffhanger, uh, Maverick, Beautiful Girls, and Drugstore Cowboy. So great movies, by the way, that he was in. Great movies. I cannot say enough about some of these movies he was in. Ladies and gentlemen, on that behalf, that is uh, what we've got for today. A bunch of other people were in the movie as well. Chosen from... Uh, uh, Cobra Kai slash Karate Kid Part 2 was also in this movie. Uh, tons tons yeah. of just like different character actors. You know, big shout outs to all of them, but we'd be here all day if we gave shout outs to all the smaller parts. So with that being said, it is now time for us to dive straight in to the spoiler full review. So if you haven't seen 1989's Gleam in the Cube, we're not going to play the warning for you, but uh, this is your time to stop the podcast. Go watch Gleaming the Cube. You can watch it for free on YouTube. It is advertised that way on the internet, so I don't feel bad about saying it's not pirating. And uh, come back and listen to it. If not, and you don't care about seeing it or you've seen it, go ahead and uh, check it out. I also want to give a good shout out, and I have not listened to their episode yet. I did not go. I listened to it back years ago, but uh, the, the guys over at The Pint had covered The Pint, a, pod, uh, a pop culture podcast. I got to say that right. Our good friend John, uh, they actually did a Gleam in the Cube episode years ago. I do believe it was in 1919, <laughs> 2019. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Val <laughs> Venus is also from the late 90s. I'm going back to the late 90s instead of the late 80s. Hey, we're in that midlife crisis. Crisis right now. <laughs> Going back to a simpler time, bro. I just want to point out, man. I'm sorry for that, but two back. I do believe it was back in 2019 when this movie was celebrating its uh, uh, 30th. 30th anniversary. So uh, I have not listened to it again, but I do know I because I went back to download it because I was like, man, I'm going to listen to it after the episode because I wanted to see what they gave it, and it came up that I had already listened to it, and I thought <laughs> I had listened to it before, but it came up that I did. So I was like, sweet, I did listen to this before. I was not a liar when I said that last <laughs> week. So check out the Pi- a pop culture podcast. They do an awesome job reviewing movies and music and everything else. They did a you should do, they did a review of the Weezer's Blue album. Oh, oh nice. you really enjoy that Diesel. So check them out. Nice. So with that being said, uh, so do that after us and see if uh, they are alike or disliked. I don't know. All right. Ready to jump in, uh, Ron? Peek behind the curtain. Diesel's going to jump in a little bit from memory <laughs> because he watched the wrong movie this week. We're not going to let him off I'm, the hook there. I'm folks. not going to lie. I was a little tired when I watched it last night after working all weekend. So It's all good. Uh, so at the beginning of this movie, and usually we don't go through the whole movie. We just go through the the you know the, the skeleton, if you will. But the beginning of this movie, I always find intriguing because they are skateboarding through an airfield, pretty much, where yeah. there's a lot of airplanes. And then they con an airplane... Dry, flyer pilot yeah, pilot, pilot? They, yeah. oh, I'm fucking see I can't speak this week <laughs> so you guys are gonna have to ex- excuse me uh, they they bribe an airplane pilot to fly them over Orange County pretty much <laughs> so they can look for prime real estate the fucking skateboard yes. and uh, this also takes them over Disneyland which we see Disneyland a lot in this movie so yes. product placement and we also see a lot of Pizza Huts because I noticed some from the air and then Pizza Hut comes into play later in the movie <laughs> yeah. so obviously Pizza Hut was paying their due diligence oh. uh, I just want to throw this out there and I know we when we get to likes and dislikes we'll probably talk about this again but uh uh kids having basically commandeering an airplane and taking a, a, a pilot hostage if you will the 80s it was pre 9-11 you could get away with a lot more back then a well-priced uh, handshake with a couple dollar bills in it you, you could get a free flight pizza vouchers from pizza Hut. 
So we uh, get introduced to our, to our main characters. Of course, uh, Brian Kelly is an unmotivated high school student, uh, is the best way to put him. And uh, his brother is uh, a, a kid named Vin, who is, who is a Vietnamese brother. He's an adopted brother. And uh, he is working for a Vietnamese anti-communist relief fund called VACRF. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. To, I'm just going to say the Vietnamese Reef Fund because it's easier that way. And uh, Vin also does, like, we find out he does Brian's homework, not because Brian's stupid, no. but because Brian's just too lazy to yeah. do it. Yeah. And even Vin makes that reference. And Vin tried to, tries to bring the best out of his brother Brian at all times, but that doesn't always work. And uh, Vin uh, is, is moving stuff around for the Vietnamese Relief uh, stuff when all of a sudden he finds there's this suspicious inaccuracy with the shipping. Uh, they're moving some heavy equipment and paying for it that they probably shouldn't be. And uh, they end up, uh, when he finds out about it, he ends up getting apprehended by uh, Ed Lawndale and is interrogated by uh, Lawndale and Bobby Nguyen, who Bobby Nguyen is, uh, is our good friend Chosen. Yeah. Uh, and also... Uh, another of Colonel Trek's former employees at a motel. When uh, Colonel Trek arrives, it is revealed that he and Lawndale are conspirators in a scheme to smuggle illegal weapons to Vietnam. So uh, they're convinced that Vin's going to tell somebody. So Nguyen is using a uh, torture method with a wet towel and accidentally, by the way, they they (laughs) even point this out, he accidentally kills Vin. So now they set it up to look like a suicide. But Brian does not believe his brother would ever commit suicide. Right, Ron? Nope. No reason for him to. Because pimps don't commit suicide. (laughs) So Brian uh, starts uh, hanging out with Vin's girlfriend, Tina, and they start a little something, which I think is a little too soon. We'll talk about that later, though. Never too soon. Is it breaking the bro code if it's your adopted brother? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, well, you know what? He he does say, he says that, you know, he's doing it to kind of find out more about her dad. However... Which would be Colonel Track. However, she is like liking it. So I don't know. I, I think she's more of the the the, the hussy, if you will. Let <laughs> he who hasn't abused daddy issues for their own gain cast the first stone. <laughs> so uh, Brian witnesses a, uh, a a shady meeting between uh, Lawndale and Nguyen, where uh, he demands fifty thousand a ticket to Bangkok at gunpoint. <laughs> uh, Long uh, Longdale kills Nguyen, though, right in front of fucking Brian. But Brian doesn't, you know, gets the fuck out of there because he ain't, he's smart. He ain't stupid. He ain't in a place, Dad. So Brian tries to convince uh, Detective Al Lucero, who is played by our good friend Manny. Uh, that's right. I'm just going to refer to him as Manny because why the fuck not? Uh, that his brother did not commit suicide. While skeptical Lucero offers to look into it. By the way. I, I, I want to know if you get this feeling while watching this movie. Detective Lucero is kind of like this, like he's the detective that doesn't believe, but he still goes out of his way to help this kid every step of the way. Yeah, it's well, it's a typical cliche from the Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, weird. Like, you, well, I think it's more or less he sees the good in him and he's trying to help him, you know, find the good in him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you are a smart dude. Like, let's, you know, and trying to help him because he just lost his brother. And I jumped ahead a little bit because Tina and him don't really start interacting until after this. I mean, they have interactions before, but they don't start dating because she uh, has to clean them up. We have to get that. Like, it's not a full on montage, but we have to get the the skater kid to uh, clean up before he can date uh, Tina so he can get in further and find out uh, everything about Colonel Track. Yeah. Um, Which which was the most stupidest montage for he cuts his own hair and it's just basically the same haircut, just shorter. Uh, In the same vein of movies, it was worse than the um, airborne montage. Equivalent. Oh yeah. Because it's it's not it's not as long, but it's just like he go like he just she's like well my 
my parents won't let me date American boys and and especially look at you. So he goes home and it's like, okay, so he takes the earring out, puts it on the table. He's standing in front of a mirror, you know, in a pair of uh, cotton shorts or something, not boxers, but something like that. Yeah. And he's like, and he just looks in the mirror and he looks and he's got the gloves on, the punk gloves on, and he's just trying to take them off. Uh. And it's like taking a part of his soul. And then yeah. he's like looking into the mirror and he takes scissors and he just starts cutting his own hair. And then he get then it shows him in the shower, and then he comes out and he's all dressed preppy, yeah, with with a, a, a little briefcase for his backpack now. By the way, my judgment here going on to Brian about his brother and you know creeping into that, he does all that for her. But when his brother's funeral's going on, he shows up in like a shirt with pins and all, yeah. shit, all like punk rock skateboard. Yeah, but he can't he can't dress up for his own brother's funeral. But man, when it comes to getting a piece of ass. Korean ass. Oh, no, Vietnamese. Or Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Yeah, sorry, sorry. And uh, I just want to point this out. When it comes to that, he's he gets all cleaned yeah. up. But under the guise of I'm using this to get information. By the way, it doesn't work that way. And everybody and everybody's shocked. Like he walks out in the kitchen, his mom drops the coffee. Yeah. Back. yeah. Dad drives by him and uh coming in and sees him pumping up the bike tires. And he just keeps going through the garage. And then he shows up to school and everybody's harassing him. People are just like, what the? Yeah. It's like, it was like a big thing. And it was, it's bad. Dude, the worst part about it is like, like he's spying through shit, like without even pretending he's not. Yeah. Like, so it's like the worst, like hidden job. So it's like, hey, I'm just out here in the garage pumping up a tire, but uh, I'm not pumping up shit. You know, like it's, it's wild. Like nobody's suspecting anything. So this leads him to actually uh, sneak in. To the warehouse for the the Vietnamese, uh, the VACRF, the relief fund. And uh, while he's there, he decides to plant some evidence. Because, hey, instead of just taking real evidence to the detective, I'm going to plant some. And uh, the detective automatically knows that Brian uh, did this. So you're just like, so he doesn't get in trouble, though. Because, once again, Lucero, who doesn't necessarily believe him, but always has his back. Like, this is the part of the movies where I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, you get get to the part where he's like, okay, he shows up. And he's like, so he shows up on a skateboard. And... Like, he sneaks around and goes in and, like, gets to the roof and finds the one grate to get into. And then he goes down and it's just like, there's one, he picks this one random box that's huge and it's as fragile and he uses a skateboard to break it open. And goes in and, like, pulls out guns. And it's just like, I, I and I don't remember on the paperwork if it showed... Uh, the shipping information why he would choose that one yeah box. so that was just weird it was just the one big box oh this is the biggest box let me do it this must one. be this one yeah <laughs> so uh by the way uh tina she uh ends up spending the night with brian after all this happens and she discovers her father's lighter there and then he explains to her his suspicions so then she goes and by the way in the greatest swiper no fucking swiping moment of all time for all those of you who know what Dora the Explorer is she goes and confronts her dad who instantly Colonel Track instantly is like I am so sorry I have dishonored you and instantly comes, calls up Lawndale and is like yep this, this we're done yeah. we're done my daughter I can't disappoint my daughter like I shit you not I mean that's not the line but that is the gist of it yeah so Lawndale instead of you know taking out you know you know track he goes ahead and he sends vietnamese bikers after brian who run him off the road (laughs) but the cops including detective lasaro get them motherfuckers and then using translators they figure out that lawndale offered the hit so now lucero now believes brian because hey why wouldn't he 
So this is where our good friend Yabo comes in hardcore. <laughs> I mean, we see Yabo throughout the movie. He's kind of a slacker, you know, and Yabo builds <laughs> Brian the fastest skateboard for Brian and, <laughs> and rallies the rest of the skateboarding clique. And the, with the Brian and the police both converge upon Colonel Track's house where Lawndale holds Tina at gunpoint. That's right. So Lou, Lawndale is holding Colonel Track's daughter at gunpoint in front of him when these, these skateboarders and the police show up because that is a tag team made in heaven. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, when Track tries to wrestle the gun away, Brian crashes into the room through the window, but Lawndale shoots and kills Track that escapes in the police car. Brian and Lucero and the entire skateboarding crew eventually corner Lawndale as Lawndale prepares to shoot Brian. He soars into the air on his skateboard <laughs> and knocks out Lawndale, who was subsequently arrested by Lucero. I had to read that line from a plot because I thought it was funny how it was written. Although we did get in that chase, that really cool scene of uh, Tony Hawk like speeding up and going underneath a truck. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm going to say this. Before we even get the likes and dislikes, I'll just drop it out there. The skateboarding in this movie was actually pretty awesome. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. So here comes my favorite part, the end of the movie. So Lawndale <laughs> is uh, now arrested. His Everything's up in smoke. I'm assuming that he told the cops I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for these meddling kids. <laughs> and uh, now, you know, Tina, she, her dad's gone. Her original boyfriend's gone. Her new boyfriend was just using her for information. <laughs> but somehow, you know, you know, whatever. And uh, we have Brian. So how does this movie end, Ron? I'm going to tell the fine folks, and then uh, you, I, I want to hear your yeah. thoughts on it. It ends by Brian comforting Tina and telling her that they should re return to school together. <laughs> so they are a happy fucking couple at the end of this movie. Uh, and then we have well, a cut scene. By the way. Go ahead, sorry. Well, it goes, I don't know if I can stay here. My mom wants to stay here, but I, I can't go back to school. The people will judge me there. The kids will judge me. And he's in a wheelchair, broken arm, cat, all this stuff, and puts his crippled hand on top of hers and says, wait for me to get out of here. We'll go back and deal with them all together. Oh. <laughs> uh, but at the end, I shouldn't say a cut scene, but there's an ending. There's a little epilogue, if you will. Uh, Brian and Lucero go and visit Vin's grave. You know, and we have this touching moment between the detective and Brian with Vin's yeah. grave. And you're just like, okay, and this is where the movie ends. <laughs> So, Diesel, if you didn't remember any of that, I hope some of that jogged your memory. People at home, that's the nuts and bolts around the movie. So now let's go into what we do, likes and dislikes. Diesel, I will include you just in yep. case there's some things that you remembered. But, uh, Ron, we're going to start with you. We're going to start with likes because we always like to start in the positives. Uh, what were your some of your likes for Gleaming the Cube? All right. So, honestly, you, did, you already hit it on the nose. Uh, the skateboarding actually yeah. was at top notch. I mean, especially back in the day when we didn't really, you know, let's face it, people in the Northeast, we didn't really know what was going on skateboarding wise. Not yeah. like, you know, I mean, I, I get it. There was people, but like that was tiny, you know, young kids first take into, you know, the world of skateboarding. Actual kind of street like, skateboarding. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and then you know, everybody was so edgy and whatever, and it's fine. It's a very cut and dry story like they don't you don't miss a beat it's just there it's okay you meet all the characters like within the first 10 15 minutes you figure out real quick that something's awry then you realize it's all you know there so you're like it's it's a cut and dry story it's there fine get all the information it's probably 15 minutes too long <laughs> like it's because it's like almost two hours like it's like an hour and 145. Okay, this is 145, yeah. So, like, if you could have gotten down to that sweet spot of one, 130, one you know, like, which is most 80s movies, it probably would have been a little bit better. Uh, the, the random pacing 
it's not horrible, but it's there. Like, it's just kind of bad in one second, and it's like, okay, then move, move, move. But it's just like, boom, boom, boom. So it's all right. Like, it's not horrible. It, it's just a funny concept. Like, these kids that have no money or no way are flying over to figure out where we can go skate and this, that, the other thing. So it's not horrible. I was going to say, Ron's likes and dislikes kind of mixed in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it happens. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's but, just that kind of movie. Diesel, do you have any uh, likes or dislikes at that matter since you just went all in? <laughs> so, when I re- from what I remember from watching this from way back, like, these kids were, like, the epitome of cool. Like, six-year-old me was just like, yeah. oh, my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, like with one of my other favorite movies growing up, Airborne. Like, yeah. these kids are the coolest kids ever in the world. It was a great 80s teen trope when they started doing, like, the... The mysteries type stuff. Not just the teen comedy, but like the, all right, kids can solve problems too. Yeah. Does it really translate 35 years later? But at the time, like 10 year old me, like renting this on VHS at the Blockbuster, absolutely love this movie. It was very fond memories of this. Yeah, I was going to say, one of my biggest likes is nostalgic. It's like you, and it's like, oh, these kids are fucking cool, man. You know, you go throughout time, you know, you were like rookie of the year. They were cool. Fucking blank check. That kid was cool. Oh. You know, these are all kids' movies from when we were kids. You know? Even Richie Rich. He had a Richie goddamn Rich. McDonald's in his house. You know? <laughs> uh, this, this movie did not introduce me to skateboarding because by the age of six, I had already seen Back to the Future. And, of course, right. that introduces all of us to skateboarding. But... But this movie made skateboarding like really cool because yeah. you want to do the tricks in this movie. Although those tricks will lead to a broken arm. Now, I'm not saying from experience. I'm just talking about other people. What's this more edgy than living in a bomb shelter <laughs> and making skateboards for your friends? But I, I dug I dug all it. Like I said before, I dug all the skateboarding in this film. The movie does have a coherent story yeah. and it does follow it. So I, I give it credit there. Um, let's go because we've been mixing them in anyway. Some of my judgments of this film are that the adults in this movie don't seem like adults, but it's that 1980s kind of movie. You know, like we talked about it when uh, we did the outsiders uh, for rewind. Yeah. Like, there's adults in the movie, but they're not really there leading anybody. They're there just, it's kind of like, you know, the adults from Peanuts. It's wah, 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 wah. It's the 80s teen trope. It's even when we did uh, Christine not too long ago. Mm-hmm. The adults, yeah, they're there. But it's like ran from the perspective of like parents just don't understand. Yeah. Is that weird? I mean, and even Christian Slater's character, Brian, says that at one point in Juncture pretty pretty much. Like 30 years is going to be like pointless or worthless or something like that. I can't remember the exact line. But you're just like, eh, he's not probably wrong. But, you know, whatever. Uh, It's kind of it's kind of a strange thing. It also did an 80s trope that I disdain. And I and, and I think Diesel laughing is going knows exactly what I'm talking about. It at one point in Juncture references the name of the movie. Which was an 80s and early 90s thing where you had to reference the name of the movie inside of the movie. So at one point in Juncture, they talk about gleaming the cube, man. <laughs> Not like that. I'm just adding it on. And uh, it is explained then to Detective Lucero, because this is before they all hell breaks loose in the final act, that it is uh, pushing your limits to the edge. By the way, the uh, term gleaming the cube actually came from a, uh, from a skateboarder. Uh, Neil Blender in an issue of Thrasher magazine in 1983 and he said have you ever gleamed inside a cube was the actual line from that you know technically sick was in between there have you ever gleamed inside of a sick cube and uh, yeah that's where we get this from so just so everybody knows Uh, so that's what gleaming the cube is 
Um, but outside of that, once again, I agree with Ron, probably about 15 minutes too long. It was still entertaining. I still, it's still fun watch. You know, is that going to play into the scoring? We'll find out in a minute. Uh, do you gentlemen have any more likes or dislikes you would like to talk about the movie before we uh, crush it in to the finals? Not really. I mean, they did like the subplot of Brian being actually smart was basically all summed up in a quick minute because it was like them playing chess before his you know brother died. It's like, oh, you finally moved. Because they have a chat. They they have the same room. They share a room, and there's a chess set in the middle. And then they're like, "Oh, you finally move." And then you know they're talking back and forth. It's like, "Can you be quiet?" The brother's being like, "Can you be quiet?" I'm kind of you know I'm looking at your move. Like it was a really good move. Like I, I'm trying to concentrate here. And then of course it just goes right. It was yeah. just to show that Brian's actually smart. He's just lazy. Yeah. So I mean it, it hits there too. The unmotivated skater culture. Yeah. You know, like I said, there, there there's a lot of things that hits on. There's a lot of questionable stuff. Like Manny is kind of interesting, or Detective Lusaro. Sorry, <laughs> but we'll still call him Manny. You know, like it's like he doesn't trust the kid, but he still follows everything the kid says and even covers for him. And then finally finds out he's telling the truth you know 80s trope if you will yeah. and like like i said it's there's just a lot of 80s tropes in it like that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing but that's also not necessarily a good thing if you will and the movie wasn't made to be like a great movie it was made to get people's ass in the theater because christian slater was one of the hottest stars of the time for teenage actors yeah yeah but it failed miserably yeah. at getting people's ass in the theater by a 2.8 <laughs> million dollar uh a box office compared to a $10 million uh, budget. Yeah. But, you know, hey, it is, it is what it is. So now that we have gone through our likes and dislikes and the full spoiler review of 1989's Gleam in the Cube, it is time to find out what the internet thought about it. And there's only one way we like to do that. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game, and the game's rules have changed, so I'm going to explain them right now. Uh, used to be Price is Right rules, but we have dropped that. Now, the gentlemen, we're going to be guessing the scores from around the internet. The closest to the actual number gets the point. First to three points wins. We don't do ties, so if a tie does happen to come up, we will tie break that motherfucker because we just don't do ties, ladies and gentlemen. So, and uh, obviously they can't come up with uh, the busts anymore because yeah. somebody's got to win. So with that being said... Let's find out what those scores were. And uh, it's a new year, new us. So we are going to go with a new champion. Well, no champion for this year. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to do a better job of keeping track who uh, wins the championship <laughs> much and uh, maybe a little uh, award or reward for that person. Maybe a belt or something. Ooh. Who knows? So we're going to start off. And uh, just because of process of elimination, I know Ron had the title most last year. So he will be considered the champion going in. So Diesel, you will go first because you're the challenger. And that means in this first one of the year, for the first week of championship contest, Attention. IMDB Diesel out of 10 using points. What did they give Gleaming the Cube? IMDB, I think it's going to be pretty low. Four and a half. 4.5. And Ron, what, is, what are you thinking? Oh, okay, so we are playing, got to be closer. <laughs> Changes uh, it. <laughs> uh, I, if I cut you off at five. I'll cut you off at five. Cut him off at five. So yeah. five, four and a half. And the point goes to Ron because it was 6.2 out of 10. Oh, okay. 6.2 out of 10. Ron gets the first point. Ron, you were up one nothing. You are going first on this next question, though. It's Metacritic. That means it's the algorithm of all the critic scores from the internet. Just critics only. Out of 100%, what did they give Gleaming the Cube? 23. Diesel. Oh, 24. Whoa. If it's worse, you got it. But I think it's going to be slightly better than 23. So Ron's got 23. Diesel's got 24. And 
Diesel gets the point to tie it up 40%. 40% on Medicare. I wouldn't have given 40. (laughs) All right. It's tied 1-1. Diesel, you go first next. And this is the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. So critics on Rotten Tomatoes only. Out of 100%, what did they give? Gleaming the Cube. They're less forgiving over at Rotten Tomatoes. 33. 33 for Diesel. Ron, what is your choice? 20. 20. 33 and... Diesel takes the lead, 29%. 29%. See, there's, we're going, there's we're going over. Didn't matter because he was nine points away to your four points. So, boom. So, Diesel is up two right. to one. And that means this next one, Diesel could win. But, Ron, you get to go first. And this is Ron Tomatoes' fan score out of 100%. What did they give Gleaming the Cube? 58. 58 Diesel. I'm not being a dick. 60. <laughs> so, in my head, I'm like thinking like 60 to 62 is where I was thinking. So when you said 58, I'm just like, I'm not trying to be a dick. I was legit thinking 60. 60. So 60 and 58. And who gets the point? Your winner and the first champion of 2024, Diesel. It was 69%. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, the last one on this was would have been a new one anyways for you guys, but we'll have for funsies. Uh, from Just Watch, out of 100%, what did they give Gleaming the Cube the Diesel for watch. funsies? What, 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 what did they give it? Ooh, Just Watch. I don't know this one. We'll, we'll stay in the same range, 60. I just want to point out it was hard to find things for <laughs> this movie. Uh, Ron, where would you have goes? He's at 60. Just watch it. They just say it in the title. Just watch it. <laughs> uh, 65. Okay. Well, Ron, you would have gotten that point with 67%. Okay. I, I'd still try to find stuff that we can do, like that we're used to, but yeah. for some reason, I don't know why, some of these movies are hard to find. Yeah. They, there was no... The Google, Google score use. is gone, or Google user score is on some and not, not on others. It's, it's, it's terrible. Terrible, I tell you. Well, now that we found out what the rest of the internet gave Gleaming the Cube, it's now finally time for us to score it. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, and that means that it is time for us to give the nerd score, and the nerd score, of course, is on the nerd scale. But firstly, the nerd score is a recommendation score, which means that we take our critic score and then we mix it with our entertainment score to give you a recommendation to watch the film. So that means that the movie could actually be critically bad, but if it's super entertaining, that will raise the score and vice versa. Of course, the nerd scale has five parts and five parts alone. We're going to list them off for you in case you don't remember them and give you a refresher, or if you're new, the first time you'll ever hear so the first level is a one and that is no that means it's a terrible movie you should never watch it period a two is you've been warned that means it's not quite terrible but it still ain't good and you've been warned not to watch it a three is ah it's good this means it's an average to good movie uh basically the way we explain it is that you're not going to add it to your collection you're probably never going to watch it again but you don't regret seeing it that one time it's just you know it was there i saw it okay it was fine it wasn't a waste of my time but at the same point in juncture you're not going to go out and re-watch it or seek it out or add it to your collection a four is just take my money that's the good to great films these are movies that uh you you find entertaining you can go out and feel free if they're in the 
theater to go pay for them or to buy them on DVD if you would like to add them to your collection. You don't have to. You probably definitely watch them a second time at least when it hits a streaming service or whatever. And last but not least is the Rarified Air at the number five spot, and that is called Certified Nerd. These are the legendary films. These are movies like Jurassic Park, Jaws, and, uh, and that kind of ilk, where these are the creme de la creme. You are going to see them in the theater. You'll see them when they're re-released. You'll probably add them to your collection and your rotation. Hell, you might even buy it a few different times as different collector's editions comes out. These are the best of the best. So with that being said, knowing what we know now, Gentlemen, it is time to give the scores. We're going to start with you, Ron. And uh, what do you give 1989's Gleaming the Cube? I might be a little high on this one, but uh, I wasn't upset that I rewatched it. wasn't upset that I rented it for 99 cents. <laughs> and maybe that's the case, maybe because it was only 99 cents. It is a three to me. It's good. It's good. It's, it's good. It's not horrible. It is cliche 80s all the way. It's not the best acting of anything. No, but... You know, nostalgia kind of pushed it to a three for me. I was hesitant around a two and a three with this. I wasn't upset after talking with you guys. I wasn't upset that I watched it. You know, it was entertaining enough just to be like, hey, you know, okay, will I watch it again? Yeah, probably in a year or two or something. (laughs) Or, you know, just something. It's, you know, Christian Slater movie. It's 80s cliche all the way. If you like 80s movies, even possibly bad movies, you, you you're not going to be upset with this if you haven't watched it. And especially if you grew up in the 80s, you're going to be like, yeah, I, you can feel it all. The push for Pizza Hut, the push for Disneyland, you know, the the California bad boys are skaters, you know, all this stuff. And you get to see a young Tony Hawk doing stuff. Like, no. I mean, it's there. Like, I mean, he's been around for a long time. Like, he's So it's all fun. All right. And Diesel, what is your nerd score for Gleaming the Cube? I think if I would have watched the correct movie, I probably would have landed at a two, but I'm with Ron. I'm at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. The nostalgia for me is, and then hearing you guys talk about it was like, I really enjoyed this movie as a kid. Yeah. I don't think it holds up whatsoever, but if you're our age, this is something you can go back to. If you're in your 20s and you're listening to us, yeah, you can skip this one, though. <laughs> well, I'm going to just go up front and say I'm going to make it the trifecta. I also gave it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. This is a perfect uh, example of a nostalgia movie. Is it what did I like it better when I was a kid? Obviously, but now that I'm older, it's just like, hey, it's there. It's I'm going to use the word that most old people use for shit like this. Cute. Uh, You know, it's kids running around doing stuff. Um, One of the things I didn't mention is I love that even though it's you know, it's not it's not necessarily du- you know dubbed, but there's a lot of f bombs that were turned into screw up, even in uh, a non edited form, if you will. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. But uh, I, I once again. My only detractions were normal 80s slacky shit that happened in a lot of movies. But then again, the nostalgia for that is still there, too. So that's why I land on a three. I I will agree with Diesel. If you are under the age, this is one of those times where if you're under the age of like 34, 35 and you have no nostalgia for this time period, it's better to skip this one out. But if you are in that area where that's nostalgia or you've seen the movie when you're younger and you catch it on a rewatch, you're not going to be upset. You just probably won't hold up to what it used to be for you. So I think a three is a fair grade for it all the way across the board. Speaking of uh, fair enough grades, I gave it a five and a half out of ten. I enjoyed the skateboarding stuff enough and I enjoyed the story enough. The schlocky stuff is all that is what brings it down. Maybe a little bit of a too long run time. But I thought it's a little slightly better than average film. So it's it's the average, slightly better than average. I just really kind of liked, I think that what I liked the most is like the skateboarding stuff 
and and most in the story. So I feel like that's what gave it that little half over the five. I think that's a fair score for her. So I got it at a five and a half out of ten, and uh, threes all the way around. So if you would like to give us your opinion on Gleaming the Cube, you can go ahead and do that on our social medias. To find all of those, go to 3FNPodcast.com. Check out all the social medias and everything else that we have over there at 3FNPodcast.com. Ron, I believe you have some business to take care of. So, uh, one out of ten stars. What a piece of trash. Really, I want my money back and time back for this piece of garbage movie. The quality of special effects was below the pain threshold, even by 1984 standards. And don't get me started on the acting. Schwarzenegger's robot performance with a total of maybe ten lines was probably the most convincing acting in the entire movie. The rest of the cast was wooden to the point of amateurish. And whoever thought of casting Linda Hamilton as the beautiful leading lady should get her their head examined. <laughs> Not only is that particularly pre- particularly pre- pretty, which makes it ridiculous that men would fall for her left and right, but her mannerisms, grimacing, constant screaming, weeping, and weak attitude was so provoking, I started rooting for the Terminator to finish her off in the end. What an absolute annoying performance of a weak, dumb, and useless female lead. Seriously, how is this movie rated so high? One out of ten stars. Terminator just sucks people. I wanted to finish her off, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was... All right. I, again, does the graphics hold up in 2024? Yes, I actually think they do. The original this, Terminator movie, I think it still holds up graphics. This was a 2020 review. <laughs> and by the way, I, I get like thinking that Linda Hamilton isn't hot, but I mean, I always thought she was. Oh, yeah, no, she, and, and and like, there's something about that strong female character. Well, that's sexy. the whole. That's the whole point of the character, honestly. Like, playing devil advocate for this, like she she starts out as just meek, meek, single woman, just being average until shit hits the fan. Yeah, and then she becomes Sarah Connor. That not she's not Sarah Connor. She's Sarah yeah. Connor, but she's not Sarah Connor. Yeah. She becomes that badass later. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'll say this. I get it. I get what they're writing. You know what it is? It's your generalized 2020s incel dude who's just mad about women being strong in movies. They argue, by the way, these are the same people, and this is why it's hard for them to go back to 1984 and the Terminator because they always argue that uh, you know now we're just doing this. This is all something that's happening now because there's some big fucking conspiracy, which there's not. There's been strong female leads for a long time, my friend. And she was a strong female lead. I don't give a shit. I thought this movie was perfect. And by the way, Arnold only has 10 lines. We already went over the shit because at that point in juncture, his thick Austrian accent was hard to fucking understand. So you hide the negatives, accentuate the positives that he looks like a fucking Greek god and a fucking menace. In that movie, he looks like a menace. That's what he said. That was the best acting. Right, but he, that's the whole point. Then, then he didn't get the point of what acting is because if you look at Arnold, Arnold's generally a cheery guy. Him playing like a like almost a fucking uh, almost a slasher like villain from a horror movie is impressive as fucking yeah, hell. Yeah. And like, there's there's things that are actually kind of cool. Where like, if you actually pay attention to the movie, where he's like looking through the phone book and he's using both fingers to read. Yeah, so he just gets it all like in, yeah, he's like, scanning it, down. It's a you know, it's a robot thing. Like yeah. the, the things that he's did, like playing devil's advocate on it. Oh, it's not just devil's advocate. Honestly, I, I well, I mean, maybe you because you don't like the movie, but the de- there's no devil's advocate needed. It's just things that Jim Cameron fucking paid attention to when he was making the movie. And once and again, that shows Arnold intent. Too. Well, yeah, well, but I'm sure that the direction was there too. So, like in the way he executed, it was perfect. The, my point of the matter is, is that. 
There was a lot that James Cameron did in this movie that was all intentional. I have yet to see a James Cameron film where shit's not intentional. There's, you know, the one thing I can say from the start of the man's career till now when he's doing Avatar movies, even though I'm not a fan of Avatar, everything he does is for a reason. You know, and we found that out. There was payoffs from the first Avatar movie and the second Avatar movie, and I'm sure those will carry over because he does it for a reason. He is one of those directors that is so... uh, tuned into the details of a film that there's nothing little that is seen on screen that isn't there for a fucking reason. You know what I mean? Like right down the line when you get to T2, which once again, I can't wait to see if somebody really shits on T2. Because honestly, if you shit on T2, (laughs) you should never review a film again. You should probably not write about anything ever again. I'm sorry. I mean, there's certain movies that I'm like, okay, I get it. They're polarizing. Never in the history of mankind has anybody said that T2 is a polarizing movie. <laughs> Have you ever heard about T2's polarization, Diesel? <laughs> no. It's 99.9 versus 0.01 is what I'm assuming. <laughs> you know, exactly. Because it's one of those movies that's beloved by pretty much everybody. Uh, you know, some like it more than others, but it's still beloved. It's yeah. one of those movies that, like, we could add it to the uh, certified nerd when we we're talking, you know... Uh, uh, Jurassic Park Jaws. You could add T2 to that as well. Uh, anyways, I digress. We'll get there eventually. Oh, we'll get there because I'll run out of reviews, bad reviews. For and I told him, I did tell him, I do want to hear some of those so I can just, oh, so, yeah, so I can hear Diesel ripping them and me ripping to them because well, it's one thing to ha- not like Terminator. I get it, even though I do and I think Diesel yeah. does as well. Oh. By the way, in 1984, hmm, I wonder if we're reviewing that movie this year. <laughs> uh, chances are we are just because it'll be the first time that we've reviewed a film that uh, Ron is actively shitting on. <laughs> so get ready for the Terminator. Uh, which I'm okay with because 40th year anniversary is fucking badass. Oh, I'm hoping they put out a 40th anniversary. Ooh, There's, hopefully they put it back to the theater. Ooh, I'd be down for because like I would like to go see I, it. I, I'd, I'd go see it. In once once again, I would like to point out. It's nice when they put the things back in the theater because then you get a chance to see them not for the first time. I was born in 83. At 84, even if my mom took me to see Terminator, I wouldn't fucking remember. Yeah, I I, I saw Terminator late. Even if they give us the old Alabama switcheroo and it's Terminator Salvation. No. (laughs) By the way, I did see Terminator Salvation in the theaters. I did (laughs) do it. it I saw every Terminator film from T2 on in the theaters. Nice. Except for the last one. Genesis, thank God. Yeah, I I didn't go to theaters. By the way, I'm going to spoil some for everybody. I've never seen Terminator. Don't watch it. I heard what happened at the end. Oh, it's so Or bad. actually, in the beginning and the end, and I went, "Yeah, fuck that. We're good. Yeah, we're fucking, it's good. fucking horrible. We're good." But anyways, I've seen all the other ones for better or for worse in the theater as well. Uh, Rise of the Machines, I had hope for. I'm not gonna lie. And there I was some. There was some good parts of that movie. Rise I will defend machine, it a little bit. But it's not. It's good. not great. It's not, actually it's it, not even good. But there is some scenes at least. But it's no T two compared compared to uh, Salvation and Genesis. I'm just throwing it out there. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, T two. They, they once you hit that nut one, you can't you can't go back. You can't go back. It makes like, House Party look like House Party two. House <laughs> Party three. I, I've never understood why he throws in that line because it makes you've already gone to House Party two. Anyways. With that being said, that is going to bring us to the end of this week's 3FN Podcast. Of course, next week, we are celebrating our 300th episode. That's right. Can you believe it? Not counting bonus episodes or anything else we've done on this channel. We are at 300 official episodes of the 3FN Podcast. Who would have thought we would have been there? We're at almost six full years come April, too. So, uh, <laughs> I, I honestly didn't think this was going to last this long. <laughs> uh, I know. And now now the way we talk, it's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be review. I mean, I already know in 2025, we're already like, oh, we're going to review Jaws. That's when its uh, 50th anniversary is. So we might got, as well review it then. And, I got 140th request. What do you got? Cloak and Dagger. 
When uh, do you know what month? Give it to me uh, later. You I'll give just it give it. it yeah, just okay. give it to me. I have a list of ones that we are putting on there for because obviously Batman '89 will be reviewed in in, in this year because it's 35th anniversary. Uh, I'll will also be doing. Uh, I, I Diesel uh, has got a couple on the list. Uh, Fanboys, I already I, I just said was on the list. Double Dragon, which is terrible, is on the list. So we got a lot. Also came out in '89. Ooh, he just pointed out. Okay, so so the wizard will oh. be, the wizard will be coming up for those of you. Dude. See, we're going back to our youth on this, so I'm okay with it. California, you can't make fun of that though, Diesel. I did share a reel on Facebook of Anthony Kiedis writing his first songs, and it's just a scene of him in the back of the car going California, <laughs> California. Oh, I fucking Jesus. had to share that one. Great. But anyways, so we got a big year coming up. You're going to, I'm sure you're going to love it, but uh, 300th episode going down next week. Maximum Overdrive. Possibly the greatest shitty movie of all time. I just want to throw that out there. July. Possibly. I'm just I'm just teasing it. Thank you for tuning in once again to the 3FN podcast. Till next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later nerds. Later. He touched my breasts. <laughs> Terminator just sucks people. Thank you.